Saturday, January the 28th, noon in the Fellowship Hall, potluck. For those of you that come to that and want to do that, uh, we had uh, men's breakfast last Saturday. We did not have very many people here, but we had a great time. We opened the Bible and read some verses and discussed them and spent probably 30 or 45 minutes just discussing verses that we read. And it was a, it was a, good, a good discussion on, on the Word. Uh, February 12th at 6 p.m. Tickets are on sale now for 20 bucks, and this is the Youth Fundraiser Valentine's Banquet. Uh, they always have a good time, they always have a good meal, and they have a great play. So if you're interested, and it's a fundraiser to help them help send them to camp. Uh, the youth are selling calendars still. I'm not going to be as specific as Chasing is about that, but they're 10 bucks a piece, and if you need one, they're on the desk, and you can buy one all the way up until the 31st of December. <laughs> so they're, 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 they're going to be available. Um, one thing I would like to add also is starting next month, the first Saturday of every month, we're going to start a men's Bible study here. Uh, it's going to be at 8:30 on Saturday, and it's going to be uh, we're going to we're going to start off and try something. If it don't work, well, we can always change. But what we're going to do is basically what we did in men's breakfast. We're going to open the Bible, take four or five chapters, ask questions out of it, and discuss those chapters. And then the next month we'll discuss some more chapters. But it's one way of getting to ask questions and hear answers about questions that you might have had that uh, you didn't want to ask. I wasn't raised in church, so I have a lot of questions. So I like these Bible studies because they tell me a lot of things that I don't know that y'all probably have learned 40 years ago when you started church, and I did not do that. So, but anyhow, uh, that's going to be at 8.30, uh, the first Saturday of every month. And we're going to start off 15 or 20 minutes, you know, eating donuts and drinking coffee and orange juice and fellowshipping. And then we're going to go to the Bible study and we can stay as long as we want or we can cut it off when we want. So uh, that's pretty much all the announcements I had. Alan may have some more and I'm going to give this thing to him. <laughs> Come on. All right, let's stand together if you will, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. <coughs> Just ask God to minister. I believe he's going to minister tonight as we worship with Sister Julie and Brother Dennis, but... We just need to invite his presence in this place and ask him to just move in our hearts and lives. Father God, we come before you, our God, our Father, the one who loves us more than we can ever imagine sometimes. Lord God, we just present ourselves to you. Lord, first of all and most of all, to, to present ourselves to worship you in spirit and in truth to allow your Holy Spirit to move in our hearts and in our lives tonight. Lord God, to touch us and minister to us, Lord God, that we can minister to others. Father God, I just pray, Lord, that your will be done in every part of this service today and tonight, Lord, that you touch everyone that's here, everyone that is listening or that will listen, Lord, to this time of worship in our service tonight. And I just pray, Father God, you will move by your spirit in our hearts and lives and help us, Lord God, just to look to you, knowing that you are our strength, you are our help. Lord God, you are everything we are ever going to need you to be in our, in our lives. What, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the situation, Father God, we just pray, Lord, that you will just minister in your way, that every life will be touched. And Lord, we will be strengthened, encouraged, but we'll be stirred and motivated to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If y'all want to continue to stand while we worship, that's fine. If you need to sit down, that's fine too. Father, we're just here to glorify your name tonight, God. These songs, Lord, that we picked tonight, all of them talk about more of you, Jesus. And that's what we need right now more than anything else, Father, is just more of you, God. Just manifest yourself in us here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, open the eyes of my heart. I want to 
want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see change my life 
have your way in this house oh father God we need you Lord we always need you we need you every minute of every hour of every day whether we're awake or asleep Lord God we need you 
God, help us just to rely on you. Help us to just trust in you, Lord God, when we do not understand, when it doesn't make sense, you're still God. There is that constant that you are still God. You never change. Lord, come live in us. Come breathe on us that we may manifest you in the lives that we live, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Sister Julie, it's your time this time. <laughs> Y'all may be seated. Last Wednesday night, she told me that my opening prayer was pretty much her song list. <laughs> well, the song list is pretty much my sermon. <laughs> Actually, it's God's sermon. It's not mine. Amen. We don't always understand. And I will be quite honest with you for myself. Uh, when Brother Ron texted me the other day, I'm going, oh, Lord, please not again. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. It's like, oh, goodness. But God knows. And he's in control. But not only that, we need, need to pray for these people. That God will just do a work. And continue to do a work in us. We don't want to give up on him, amen? I think I'd like to just go ahead. We'll just remind you uh, to, if you have a bulletin with a prayer list on it, Keep those in your prayers. Um, if you have a need like you'd like to mention, I'll write it down and but and and we'll uh, we'll pray for it. And it's about the same time, but we'll get ready to get into God's word. You might have a need tonight that you'd like to mention. We can pray for you about. Didn't mean to do that. All right. So let's remember those needs on our prayer list, and just uh, just pray for this. Pray for ourselves right now that we will hear from God and, and he will minister to us. Father, again, we come before you, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can know that whatever needs we do have, whether they're spiritual, whether they're physical, financial, material, does not matter, emotional. Lord, you are a God who heals everything. You are a God who is more than enough in every circumstance, in every situation. We pray, Father God, for those on our prayer list, for those that need healing. May you manifest yourself as the healer. For those that may need provision in their life, Father God, you are the Lord God, our provider. Your word, your name declares that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You are our shepherd. You are our God. You are our Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you are ministering to hearts and lives even tonight as we pray and agree together. Lord God, I just pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God that as we get into your word tonight that you've laid on our heart, Lord, that you, we will speak the words that you would have spoken. Father, I am your servant. I am your vessel to use for your honor and for your glory the things I say and the things that we look at tonight will not only honor you, but, Lord, they'll lift us up, and they will strengthen us, and they will guide us, and they will direct us, Lord, and that we will not give up believing that you're God and that you are working in our midst even when it doesn't seem like it because we know that you're God and we know that according to your words you care deeply for us I thank you Father for what you're doing for what you're going to do and what you have done in our lives in Jesus name Amen
I want us to look for a few minutes tonight, <coughs> and I ask your indulgence. Uh, my wife gave me some of her head stuff, and I, I'm getting over it, but then it's the getting rid of the, you know, my head's clear, but it's all that stuff. And <laughs> your body's going, I want to get out, and it's like, can we do this later? So if I get stopped, I may have to get me a drink. Uh, I got it. I got it right there. <laughs> I, I brought something in case it gets really bad, but I'll be fine. All right, Psalms 107. Uh, there's a, a verse in this portion of Scripture that gets repeated four times in this chapter. Now I'll start with the first, we're going to start at verse 1. But I, I encourage you to go look at the rest of Psalms 107 and, and hear what the psalmist says. I, I kind of wonder as I read this and I read it and I read it again and I'm going, it sounds like he's got a, a song and then those four verses that repeat themselves ever so often, that's his chorus. I don't know, you know, David sang, the Bible says he, he sang and, and he played a harp. Um, and I don't know if these, if this is exactly what it was, but I think it, it helps us to, to look at what he had to say. Psalm 107, beginning at verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Now, I'm going to kind of go with this. I think I, I just sense the Lord wants to do it. We're going to do this like verse by verse. He starts out this psalm with this expression, give thanks to the Lord. Does anybody remember the Apostle Paul saying something similar to that? In everything, give thanks to God. In all things, give thanks. And sometimes you want to think, well, wait a minute. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what's going on in my life. You have no idea the, the turmoil that's going on in my life. Go look at the, the, the psalmist. He knew what he was talking about. Go look at the life of Paul. He knew what it was like to have a bad day. You cannot tell me sitting chained up in the interpost prison, having been whooped within an inch of your life, probably or, or close to it. And yet he and his companion Silas, the Bible tells us at midnight, they were praying and singing praises unto God. He knew what it was like to suffer. He himself says, I know what it's like to abound. I know what it's like to have nothing. I know what it's like to have everything. I know how to live high where everything is going well and when nothing's going right. But I have found and I have learned. I like what Paul says. This He said, I have learned that whatever situation or circumstance I am in, therewith to be content. What is the one of the things for us as Christians to understand? When we realize that God is our God, when we understand and it becomes a very real part of our lives that the God of the universe is my Father and your Father, I can give Him thanks. The world does not have to be going like I think it ought to. Had a guy one time, I think, I can't remember, I think it was a, was a school teacher that uh, worked at the school where I worked. And we were talking about issues of the day, and I had my opinion. He said, you ought to be governor. And I said, no, you don't need me to be governor because I'd tell people exactly what I thought and tell them where to get off the boat at. I'm just blunt. I, I'm not a politician because, well, we won't go there. I'm sure there's good ones out there, but they seem to be few and far between. Let me put it that way. But we give thanks. The psalmist says, give thanks. 
It is not because everything is going right. It's not because everything is just, oh, wonderful. It's because he's God. That's the only reason we need, because he's God. If Jesus Christ is Savior, Lord of our hearts and our lives, then church, we have the ability, we have the right and the privilege to give thanks to God from the moment we get out of bed. And the moment we lay our, from the there to the moment we lay our head to sleep at night, we can give thanks to God. And we ought to. Gratitude ought to be one of the hallmark characteristics of Christians. But I don't like the way things are. I don't like who's in the White House. That has nothing to do with giving thanks to God, does it? It doesn't mean that God has changed. It doesn't mean that God's sitting up there going, okay, you guys, you're on your own. It's not that way. For he is good, his faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell somebody, I am a child of God. <coughs> Tell others, he has redeemed you from your enemies. For he has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty, and they nearly died. Verse 6 is this verse that repeats itself. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he rescued them from their distress. Some of the translations translate it distresses more than one. They cried out to God. Let's go back to Paul and Silas for a minute. They prayed. And then they began to sing praise to God. And church, you cannot convince me. You don't care how hard you try. You cannot convince me that that earthquake was anything less than a supernatural act of God Almighty. Earthquakes happen. We, get, we see the, the effects a lot of times, and sometimes they are catastrophic. Stop and let's look for a minute at that, that event on that night with Paul and Silas. The Bible said, and suddenly an earthquake shook the prison. Okay, that's what earthquakes do. But earthquakes do not loose every prisoner in that prison from their chains. Every earthquake does not keep people. What is the instinct of when earthquakes happen and you're in a building? Get out. It's time to move. Why? Because it's going to fall in on top of you more than likely. And yet the Bible does not say anything about those walls ever moving. The Bible tells us that the jailer came and he was fixing to kill himself because if you lost a prisoner, as, especially as a Roman guard, you lose one of your prisoners, you get to fill their sentence. <coughs> I don't know how many he had in that prison, but I'm sure there was some not-so-nice not people that were in prison in chains. He's going, I'm going to sit there and, and, and short-circuit this real quick. I'm going to take my own life, and that way I don't have to mess with it. It's dark. Now listen. It's dark because Paul and Silas are in the innermost prison. They're in the middle of the middle of the middle. He's not letting them out. They're going to be the last ones out if anybody gets out. And Paul suddenly cries out, 
do thyself no harm. We are all here. How did Paul know they were all here? There wasn't any light. How do I know? Because the Bible says, then the jailer called for a light to get him into prison, to see, take a head count. Everybody's sitting where they're supposed to be sitting. Nobody's moved. Nobody's left. All their chains are off of them. They are free to go, but yet they're not free to go. It was no ordinary earthquake. The psalmist repeats this over and over again when things are in trouble and things that, but when people call out to God, he said, look, when he, when he talks about this, he said, tell others he's redeemed you from your enemies. Who's our enemy? No, my enemy is not Sister Carol. I wouldn't want her for one anyway. <laughs> I'd rather stay on her nice side. But she's not my enemy. Paul says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We are not enemies of each other. But we do have one out there that would like to rip us to shreds if he can. But I'm here to tell you tonight, church, that the God who sits on his throne will keep his children in perfect and absolute safety. If we are willing to trust him, if we are willing to walk with him, if we are willing to obey his commandments, then God has promised his personal protection. And there's not any security system on this planet that can beat God's. The Bible says he neither slumbers nor sleeps. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get sleepy. He is watching. The Bible talks about that his eyes go to and fro, fro across the earth. What's he looking for? He is looking over his children. He is watching for his children. He's looking to see what's coming in their path. He's redeemed me from my enemies. Jesus said when he talked to Peter, having asked them who did men say that he was they gave him all of their explanations what they'd heard and what had been told but he said who do you say that I am and Peter said you are the Christ the son of the living God and Peter's confession was a confession that came straight from the depths of his spirit man and Jesus said you're Simon you're Peter and on this rock what rock that confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So many people hear the devil roar. So many Christians hear the devil roar, and they start running and looking for somewhere to hide. When in all reality, we do not have to run and hide because Jesus is our Savior. He is the captain of our salvation. And God is our Father, and He has never lost a battle. He has never lost a fight. He's never lost an argument. How do we know? Look at Jesus. How many times did the Pharisees try to trap him in some kind of thing and, and, and question or, or something of this in nature? And yet Jesus every time defeated them in their little endeavors to trap him. If they can't trap him, then church, they cannot trap us. If we walk in him, if we live in him, if we walk according to the spirit, if we live according to the spirit, God will help us to know when the trap's being set and know how to walk around it. He redeemed us from our enemies. He's gathered the exiles. He's still gathering exiles today in church. 
He's still calling men and women and boys and girls to make Jesus Christ Savior and Lord of their lives, to redeem them from the clutches of sin and Satan, to redeem them from the captivity and release them from the captivity of the bondage he has them in. It doesn't have to be something as wild or as, as bad as drugs or alcohol. Or it can be fear that Satan has got people bound in. But the Bible tells me that perfect love, where do we find perfect love? We find perfect love in the God who is our Father, in the Savior, Jesus the Christ. That's a perfect love. I do not have to fear. Are there things that I see sometimes and, and do I know sometimes that things are fixing to take a turn like I don't want them to take? My mother, as y'all know, passed away back in August. But God had kind of stirred in my spirit. I never said anything to anybody about it. I didn't mention it to my wife. I didn't mention it to my kids. I didn't mention it to anybody. But God had kind of put it in my spirit. She probably won't make her 90th birthday. She got close. I'll give her this much. She got close. She in 20 days, she, she, she missed it by 20 days. But I knew. I, I, and when she got sick, I knew. The day they brought the hospital bed in, the, hosp the hospice people brought the hospital bed in. I told you this before, but I'll tell you again. She looked at me. And she said, you, I want you to tell me something. You better not lie to me. And here she is, this frail little lady. I mean, she wasn't big to start with, but she was getting more frail, more weak. Looks at me with those eyes of hers and said, don't lie to me. Now, not at this point in time, I'm not fixing to. She said, this beginning of the end, isn't it? And I said, yes, ma'am, it is. And lied to her because it was. Unless God had miraculously intervened, but she's living, she's got a whole lot better life right now than you and I'll ever think about having this side of eternity. But he brings the exiles. Come you weary, lost and hopeless. Jesus' blood can make you free. For he saved the worst among you when he saved a wretch like me. It's an old song from a long, long time ago. But it's still true. He's hauling. He's bringing in the exiles. He's bringing in the lost. He's bringing in those that are hurting. He's bringing in those that are, that are down on themselves and giving them a new life. Notice he said, they're from the east and the west, the north and the south. Some have wandered in wilderness, lost and homeless. Think about people. in this life that have had rough circumstances. They've had rough lives. But I believe with all of my heart when they come to know Jesus, there's not only a sense of belonging, and there ought to be. Every, I'm going to say this, church, and I would like for you to listen real closely to this. Every man, woman, boy, and girl that gets saved around these altars needs to be loved and accepted by us. Because if Jesus loved them and saved them, then we have no right, we have no, there's nothing about us that makes us any better than them because at one time, all of us were lost and undone without God. And we need to love them, we need to help them to grow and develop. Had a deacon one time that said, he went to a church up, uh, up at Seminole. They went to a PH church up there, I think it was. But anyway, they said they had an evangelist come. And this is back in the 40s, somewhere along that 50s maybe. I can't remember exactly when. But he said this evangelist said one time, and he told the church, he said, you know what? We need to quit trying to put 40-year-old heads on babies. Don't expect a newborn child of God to act like they've been serving God for the last 50 years. It don't work. It's a growing process. And if we're not growing, 
we better go check and see where the connection's gotten disconnected at. There's more to know. There's more to learn. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They nearly died. Verse 6. Lord, help! I think about that, and I thought about the, the, the blind man. When he heard that Jesus was passing by. And what did he do? Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says they told him, shut up. He got time for you. Now, it may not be what they said, but I, you know, knowing people, you're just no blind man. You've been blind all your life. You just hush. But the Bible says, thank God for somebody that's got gumption enough to realize that while all of the naysayers don't have a clue what they're talking about. What does the Bible say? He cried the louder. Jesus! Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Did he need to cry that loud? I think Jesus heard him the first time, but he was not going to let the enemy of his soul keep him from his choice and his chance to experience the power of God in his heart and in his life. He was not going to pass that opportunity by. I heard a preacher say one time, and I haven't studied it to, to, to be able to prove this, but he said the time that he walked by that man was the last time he would ever walk down that particular road before he went to Calvary. What if he just shut up and listened to him? What if you and I hush and quit asking God, Jesus, have mercy on me. God, help me. And there's not a one of us sitting in this place tonight or that's listening to this at any point in time that doesn't need God's help every day, every minute of every day. I can't walk. Mostly black people I've heard sing this song. I can't even walk without him holding my hand because the mountain's too high and the valley is too wide and the river is too rough and all of these things are there if he's not walking with me and holding my hand i'm up i'm i'm done for we're all done for but he is he's holding our hand lord help they cried in their trouble and he rescued them from their distress. He's still the God of rescue tonight, church. As heart hurt as I am about what we've heard, God's still the rescuer. God still, I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Brother Randy's right. I don't need to know what all's wrong. I don't need to know what's out of place, out of whack. That's God to take care of. And I pray God does. I really do. But I think about us. And, and I, can I be honest with you real quick? I like being in this position here because... I'm not trying out for nothing. I'm in the middle of it. I'm in this. We're, we're in this together. We're not going through this by ourselves. We're in this together. And I'm going to believe God that suddenly, as I talked about last, Saturday, last Wednesday night, suddenly God is going to appear and God is going to re re remedy our situation. And it's going to be his plan and his way. And I guarantee you when it's done his way and we allow him to be like he wants to be and do what he wants to do, it'll work like he intends for it to.
I will not. I refuse to give up. I refuse to cower and say, what are we going to do now? God is our refuge. God is going to rescue us from our distress. If he's done it before, he will do it again. If he has done it before, he will do it again. Sister Julie's songs that we sang, that she led us in, that she picked out, the Lord helped her pick out. What is it? What, it was the, what was the cry of every one of those songs? God, come to me. God, I need you. God, I want you. Do you know what? When he sees that in our hearts and in our lives, he lovingly, joyfully responds. The prodigal son is one of the most perfect examples of what God is doing and wants to do. What do we know about the prodigal son? We know that he went and wasted all of his dad's money. He didn't earn it, but he wasted all of that money. He wasted all of that stuff, but he wound up almost hungry enough to eat the hog slop. Now, I don't know how many of you know what slopping. I've never slopped them. Okay, I'm not going to tell you that. But I have seen them. We used to, the school I went to as, as a kid, one of the janitors picked up the scraps from the cafeteria. <clears throat> Rough. That's what he fed his hogs. That's what he fed his pigs. But the Bible says this, that the son said to himself, but first of all, the Bible says the son came to his senses. The King James Version says, when he came to himself. I say uh, to me in Oklahoma English, that says he finally woke up and he smelt the coffee. And he said, my father's servants are living better than I am. I will go to my father. I will say to him, I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just let me be one of your hired servants and I'll be happy. But what does the Bible tell us? He came to his father. And the Bible says that when he, while he was a long ways off, his father had been looking for him day after day after day after day, knowing that somewhere, somehow, he was coming back home. That's the God we serve. That's a perfect example of the God we serve. He is always looking for them to come back home. He's always looking for the lost. He's always looking for the wayward to come back to him. And the Bible says that he saw that son a long ways off. There's no doubt in that dad's mind. That's my boy. He walks like my boy. He looks like my boy from a distance. And the Bible says that that father ran to meet that son and he hugged him. Do you stop and think about what that boy looked like, what he smelled like? He was filthy. He stunk. And yet what does the Bible say? That that father reached out and grabbed that boy and put him in the biggest bear hug. Now, I'm Oklahoma translation, if you don't mind. Put him in the biggest bear hug he could find and said, My son, go kill the fatted calf. Go get a new robe. Go get some sandals and put on his feet. Get a new robe and put on him. My son who was dead is alive, and we're going to celebrate. That's a very descriptive scene, or that's a very great description, let me rephrase that, of the God who's looking for those in exile. That's the very description of the God who, when we cry, God, help Father, help 
He's more than ready and more than willing and more than happy to do for his children, and he will. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he rescued them from their distress. If I put a title on this, the rescuer is in the house. He's still God. He's still on his throne. Be of good cheer, Jesus said. In this world, you will have troubles, you'll have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have, and can I insert the word already, overcome the world. And this is, the, this is what overcomes the world, even our faith. I believe it's the Apostle Paul that tells us that. Would you stand for a moment? Be of good cheer, Jesus said. I have overcome the world. The rescuer is still on his throne. God will bring to pass what he has in store. Don't jump ship. Don't give up. Look the devil eyeball to eyeball and say, buddy boy, you've done all you can do, but I'm going to tell you right now, you've already lost this battle. You've already lost what you're trying to do. You will not succeed. You will not prevail. You will not win because our Father is our rescuer, and he's rescuing even now. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord God, for your word tonight. I pray, Father, Lord, that it will have, that it has strengthened, that it is encouraged. Lord, that something, Lord, that we have been able to say through the anointing and through the direction of your spirit, Lord, that has touched our hearts and lives. God, help us, Lord, to keep looking. You are the answer. You are the answer, God. You are the answer. And Satan, you are defeated in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer the captain of our salvation. And you will not stop. You cannot stop. In the name of Jesus, you get out of the way and stop your meddling and stop your interfering and stop all of your nonsense because God's will and God's way is going to take place in this house. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I declare it done. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you for the victory. Though it doesn't feel like it, though it doesn't look like it, I thank you, Father God, for the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. That is ours right here and right now. And we look for and we know that the manifestation of it is coming. It's already on the way. And Father, I thank you for it tonight. With every head bowed and every eye closed and Christians praying. This Jesus that I've talked about, this God that I've talked about, his heartbeat is that you know him as a father, that you know Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life, that you know the Holy Spirit as your teacher, your comforter, your guide, that you understand that this Bible that a lot of people make fun of, that a lot of people may say is not true, is the guidebook to living a life that's pleasing and acceptable to Him. God, if I could impress any one thing, on anyone that is not born again, that is not saved, that does not know Jesus as Savior and Lord of their life, if there is any one thing I would like to impress on you, God wants you in his family. All you have to do is say, like we read, Lord, help. Like that blind man who said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Lord, your word says that when Jesus called him, he said, what do you want? He said, that I may receive my sight and Jesus heal him. And he saw. Whatever you need, peace of mind, contentment, 
a joy. And I don't say happiness, I say joy because the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Those are the first three. Maybe you haven't known real love. But if you come to Jesus, I believe with all of my heart, you will find that. If you call out to him and say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a mess. I've made a mess of my life. Like that prodigal son, he was a filthy mess. But his father saw him coming and ran to meet him. And I guarantee you on the basis of God's word, if you take one step toward him, God will take the rest steps towards you. All he's asking for is you to be truthful with him and say, I need you, Lord. And I pray that you will. And if you do, if you know a Christian, tell them, I've given my life to Jesus. Let them know. Find you a church that teaches and preaches the Word of God. Find a church that will love you with the love of God and with the love of Jesus Christ. Get in it. Stay in it. And work in it. Father, I pray for this congregation tonight. I pray, Lord, that we will go forth from this place. Father, knowing and we're realizing another setback, but that's okay. You're still God. You're still our rescuer. You're still our deliverer. And we will see. We will see. We will see. We will see. You do what you want done in this house that we together as a people will get together Lord like a team and bind together and reach our community with the life and the love and the power of Jesus Christ go with us Lord you always do thank you that your word declares you never leave us nor forsake us go with us keep us safe as we go but most of all Father help us by your spirit to live lives that bring honor and glory and praise to your name and your name only, Father God, we pray in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Lord bless you for being here tonight. Look forward to see you, those of you prime timers that will, Saturday at noon. And everybody else will see you here Sunday at 930. Sunday school starts 930. Bless y'all.